This is Fire Rescue One Side Alpha Podcast, putting fire service leaders in front of hot topics facing firefighters today. Now here's the executive editor of FireRescueOne.com and FireChief.com, Chief Mark Bashore. Hi folks, today we're talking with Chief Bobby Horton in Jackson County, Oregon. Chief, welcome to the Side Alpha Podcast. Thanks Mark, a real pleasure to be on the show. Great. Um, I want to uh, read a title to an article. That's how we're going to start. This isn't what I signed up for. Words, words that I'm sure you've likely heard, you, everybody here has likely heard, uttered at some point in our careers. Maybe it was from one of your peers. Maybe it was a new member uh, surprised at what firefighters really do day in, day out, or Maybe it's a new member who doesn't understand they don't get to pick and choose what they volunteer to do. Today, we'll dive into the article topic with Chief Horton, who recently authored that extremely hot-button article on Fire Rescue One, an article that still has our readers talking. Bobby is the fire chief for the Fire District 3 in Jackson County, Oregon. He is a board director for the Western Fire Chiefs Association and the Oregon Fire Chiefs Association, And he serves on the IAFC's Communications Committee and is a 2019 graduate of the IAFC's Fire Service Executive Development Institute program. Chief Horton hosts the podcast, Assuming Command. We'll include the link to your article, Chief, and the uh, Facebook post in the show notes. So for folks that may not have had a chance uh, to read it, uh, they'll be able to click into it while they're they're here and, and take a read. So I'm going to start off by saying, Chief, what were you thinking when you penned that article? Uh, And as you answer that, maybe you could give our listeners an idea of the basic premise of the article and most specifically for those that that haven't had a chance to read it yet. Sure, Mark. Thank you very much. And and one, my appreciation of Fire Rescue One for having published the article to have this conversation going in the first place. You know, to the question about why I wrote this article, it it wasn't about uh, well, when I write in general, I write as a as a, a call to action to my peers and colleagues that are working in fire management, fire leadership to really rethink how we approach different components of our profession. And uh, this was a, an example of that, of my desire to not necessarily try to prosecute a case that what I'm thinking is right, because I'm open to rethink uh Uh, my approach to this as well. But it was to stimulate discussion around a topic that I think uh, is impacting all of us across the uh, United States, at least, uh, but probably internationally as well. Uh, my experience is is in the fire service out in the West Coast. I, I, I grew up in the Las Vegas Fire and Rescue Department um, and now the chief of a, of a fire protection district here in Southern Oregon. And the experience in both of those environments, both from an urban metro to uh, a more rural uh, community where I'm at now, uh, there's a lot of similarities in this question or, or this statement that I hear on the apparatus floor, which is this is not what I signed up for. Um, and it's always been, you know, curious. I've been curious about it, it sparked curiosity in me about how how has this occurred? I've been in the fire service 21 years, so a couple of decades. And it seems, though, I mean, I know how it was when I entered the fire service. Of course, the the crux of the article gets to um, this is exactly, you know, what I signed up for was the message that I was delivering. Um, sure. The 
But those that are, you know, that are coming in now, five years, ten, it doesn't matter the number of years of experience, but they're entering this profession with a little bit of, uh, uh, it's just an interesting perspective. And I wanted to unpack that and try to understand why someone would join this profession and not have clarity about what the expectations are like. Uh, to get to your point, Mark, on the question or, or on the article, it's it's essentially unpacking the uh, components of recruitment and for firefighter positions and the call to action of fire chiefs is have we evaluated that? Are we still trying to recruit for the same firefighter that that we were when we started in this profession or even decades before us? Or is the firefighter of the future um, a different um, ideology or mentality and and that's the idea behind the starting the discussion yeah no absolutely and you know clearly you touched a nerve or two which is uh, okay and and for those that haven't read the post or read the article you understand when you get in there uh, there's nearly 250 that have commented uh, as we stand as we're recording this and uh, uh, that's on the Facebook post and then um, on the dot com, there's comments there, and it's also it's been shared uh, a couple hundred times. So, you know, that's not a, a normal post. Uh, so clearly, you touched a nerve there. And, you know, to your to your point about um, the similarities of the different places you've been, you know, like you, I've I've worked in several different states, and um, at the end of the day, fire burns the same in Maryland as it does in West Virginia, as it does in Florida, as it does in Oregon, as it does in, in out, all the other places out there. Um, what's different is the people, the culture, and, um, you know, in some cases, the types of construction. Uh, so it's, it's not that the fire service is any different in Oregon than it is in Florida. It's, it's more about culture. And I think um, what your article touches on, though, is some deep-seated uh, traditions that I'm going to talk about in just a second. On the dot com, um, there's a fairly stirring comment from a, a war veteran um, on the firerescue1.com post. Uh, and I just, you know, kind of reflected for me, this is how I see it. You know, your article essentially challenges fire service leaders to be honest about the realities of the job when they're engaged in recruitment activities, which is essentially what you just said. It was a call to action, uh, unpacking components of recruitment. Uh, so to, to reinforce your, I'll call it a thesis, uh, one of the points you make is that, uh, a very short thesis, by the way, the article is very short, folks, mm -hmm. so it's not a long one uh, to read. Um, but you make the point that you joined the fire service 20 years ago. It was the same ratio of calls, lots of low acuity medical calls, uh, as an example. And uh, from that perspective, nothing's really changed, right? I mean, is this challenge all about marketing? I mean, is there more to it or is this really all about marketing? I, marketing is a component of, of the position. And this particular article it was really aimed at focusing on that piece, you know, on the piece of selling the uh, profession to the next generation of, of workforce. Uh, but if we did zoom out a little bit more and look at really totality of the of the circumstances to the culture, I would argue I would suggest that it probably is more than just marketing uh, for folks that are in our workforce. And, and some of that would look at how are our you know, how are our fire services adapting to what the demand from our communities looks like today? And then that maybe is a different exploration for perhaps a different article or, or podcast topic in the future. 
the the article was really focused on setting up the future workforce. The call to action was setting up the future workforce for success so that in five years from now, if we make certain adaptations as a fire service, uh, that we see less uh, dissonance between what the workers are expecting, perhaps, uh, in their career and their profession as a, as a fire service provider uh, versus what they're experiencing. We, we need more alignment in there. And I, it would suggest that alignment between uh, folks coming in the door saying not what I signed up for or having a clarity of understanding to say this is exactly what I was thought I was getting myself into and enjoying the, the job. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, some of it's not just um, um, about the uh, type of calls and some of this is. A, a tradition and a generational piece. And I chuckled at the question you posed in the article where you said, and, and this is quoting you from the article, it says, uh, are we recruiting and hiring for firefighters who will be successful in the next 30 years? Or are we recruiting and hiring firefighters who fit the mold of the last 30 years? And and I know the question. I know the answer to that anecdotally in a lot of cases. I love the question. And would love to engage in the discussion of how this connects to that ever-evolving all-hazards environment and relation to this whole topic. Yeah, we, you know, the workers that are coming into our our profession uh, are going to get to experience something, Mark, you and I only um, dreamed of when we started the profession. The amount of, of, of intelligence or information, um, uh, data via technology that can help inform our decision environment as as firefighters is, I mean, to me, it's perplexing. This is an area of focus that I spend some of my my time. You mentioned I'm I'm with the Western Chiefs, and and that's some of the area that the Western Fire Chiefs are really strong at is is driving the technology environment for public safety. And uh, but still a practicing fire chief. While I'm in those discussions, I, it's always a bit of a head scratcher to me saying, uh, "Is our are our folks ready? Uh, do they do they know how to adapt and be able to embrace? Because technology, for the sake of technology, is completely ineffective if the workforce isn't ready to utilize it to find these tools useful in their in their job. But back to point is, you know, there's going to be better information, better technology to help set up for a safer fire ground environment, more successful outcomes in the future than there ever was in the past. And it's moving at a rate that most governments are really struggling to evolve just because their policies or practices or, or, or what have you don't allow the flexibility or, or ad- adaptiveness to be able to embrace such things. So, so that piece about the question, and I use that in a lot of my discussions and narrative when I'm talking with my own workforce here is, is examining what the next generation firefighter needs to be successful. And are we, from a strategic standpoint, are we evolving our organizations to set them up for success? Um, or, you know, the mold piece is sort of like, are we trying to jam them back into a way that has you know, been, you know, demonstrated some degree of success for us in the past? So let's just keep the status quo going. Yeah. And, and I think that's an important point is that this isn't just about the firefighter coming in trying to hold on to tradition. It's also about the chiefs and the organizations adapting to that ever-changing environment. And, you know, you made reference to when we joined. So in all deference, I've now been in for 40 years and began when there was no CAD. 
Uh-huh. Um, there was no cell phones. There was no ability. There was no social media, of course. You know, and I think today, uh, I, I recall when I started at Dispatch 40 years ago and literally dealt with paper tickets that we would write on to uh, take information off of this new thing called 911. And today, uh, someone can sit be under a bed in a in a bedroom that's on fire or they're under attack and be texting to the 911 operator and have mm-hmm. that automatically related to a fire chief who's responding through a mobile data terminal to think about how that technology has evolved um, some good some not so good but in most cases for good if you're still thinking like it's 30 years ago then it's already passed you by and i think that's really the crux of what you're saying here and um, at the end of the day, hopefully, hopefully that's what people take away. I agree. I agree with that. If you if you come, you know, if you were to get on a fire engine here um, in our fire district in southern Oregon, our, our firefighters in the in the back of the engine are operating off an iPad, gathering additional intelligence beyond what the CAD can produce. And so there's communication via the headsets to the officers by trying to to. to uh, just have the most uh, informed environment. And that includes where our next uh, movement in our tactical advantage initiatives, that's what we call them here, is uh, it, is video, is, is increasingly better access to video so that we have uh, a true picture, not just painting one, but a true picture. Sure, yeah, the, the enhanced 911 that's coming across the country and the capacity that that's gonna provide with uh, things like FirstNet and those different uh, components is is phenomenal and what uh, what it's going to provide us let's dive into some of the questions um that that are not too much questions but comments that were uh, put into the article and you know more than one of the comments uh suggests that half of the problem to answer your article that half of the problem is continuing to call us firefighters some making the point we need to understand that in reality our name should be problem solvers now, I fully recognize this is one of those holy grails for many in the fire service, and I'm not advocating today for a name change. Um, I do want to read a brief comment from a recent speech by our newly appointed U.S. Fire Administrator, Dr. Lori Moore, uh, Dr. Lori Moore Merrill. Um, she made this very simple yet progressive comment where she said, and I quote, While the fire service is steeped in traditions, some traditions are meant to change. I don't think a lot of people have heard that. They may hear it, but they haven't heard it and they haven't understood it. And as we ponder that, how do we shift our firefighters' identity without hurting recruitment efforts? Um, Or is it more about not hurting the retention efforts in the long run? With that focus of, you know, should we be called firefighters or something else in mind? Yeah, that and that that was that's really deep, and I appreciate you bringing that 
to light. I, I don't disagree with the commenter, you know, taking a really hard look at that lens because as far as what the position title is being the ultimate signal for what the expectation for the position is, I think there is certainly something to be said there. Uh, you look at a lot of corporate structures and just the titles alone are starting to evolve. We went from, you know, IT specialists to, you know, technology innovation specialists, uh, human resources to, you know, people services. And so there's these evolutions in various professions that are looking more broadly at the at the scope um, in terms of the you know the fire service identity or the names either of how our organizations are being marketed or our, our positions I, I'm reflecting back to the 21st century fire uh, and emergency services white paper that uh, CPSE ICMA uh, published which is a I think just a really great forward-thinking document um, that that captures this component of identity. Now, I I I didn't, you know, maybe we scratched at it a little bit in this article. I most certainly didn't pick at it uh, specifically for similar reasons that I think we lose. We may lose if we try to debate that component and that component alone. We may lose sight of this larger mission. That's how I felt, and that's why I didn't specifically touch. Um, I would be open. I'm not. I'm not at, like. Like you, Mark, I'm not advocating for us saying that that's where we need to change and that's the, you know, that's going to be the area of focus. Um, if I had to invest energy in evolving the, the tradition, uh, that's probably not where I'm going to invest most of my energy. It's going to be in the position description and the recruitment efforts. But I, I, I applaud the commenter for, you know, having the courage to put that forward and be part of this discussion. Sure. No, absolutely. And, you know, here we are talking about it um, weeks later. So another comment, I think, hits at the core of the general sentiment uh, that, that we're talking about here uh, and specifically that the low acuity calls, um, that the you know, specifically at the low acuity call issue um, in defending the evolution. Here's what that follower wrote says, remember, without social work, most police and fire departments couldn't afford apparatus, personnel, training gear that everyone boasts about how good it was when we used to save a life or property. You know, it's almost a mic drop, mm -hmm. not, not an indictment, but a gut check for sure on um, the same basic issue. Uh, you know, are we really firefighters? Mm -hmm. And uh, is is it just time for people? What they're saying is, is it time to grow up and understand what you're really doing, or you know, um, where are we with that? What what do you have to say to that? I think if I understand the comment right, it's sort of suggesting if we weren't uh, living in this space where there's social service challenges that are uh, becoming the access point for 911, then we really wouldn't have much of an existence. Do you, am I paraphrasing? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm going to do the same as you. I'm paraphrasing yeah. what I believe they're saying. What I believe they're saying is essentially what you just said, that, you know, we have evolved from this um, no, I'll, I'll take myself back 40 years from this knuckle, knuckle dragging, uh, backstep riding, rubber boot uh, persona to this professional uh, person who's doing much more than just firefighting. I mean, that's really what they're what they're trying to say and taking a stab at the social ills of the world at the yeah. same time. 
Oh, I, yeah, I, I, I would concur that if we, you know, I think a lot of our agencies, our industry has really been slow to adopt. I'd, I'd love to see our industry actually driving this, the cruise ship uh, in terms of adaptation to whatever the, the current and future forecasted needs to serve our community is uh, well beyond the the firefight you know and so i I concur you know we we should and you always maintain our our role in the community as far as all hazards uh but i i my position in my career has really been to embrace the the social challenges that are driving um our workloads experience and try to come at those a little bit differently uh while again i agreed with our previous commenter sentiment that perhaps the role of firefighter is problem solver um, I'd like to challenge us to think one step even even ahead of that and say, really, our, our role should be the problem preventer right. in the first place. Uh, so rather than waiting for, for things to occur and us to respond to them, but we actually get in a position where our presence and our programs are adding value to the quality of life of our community uh, well before they ever have an emergency or perceived emergency. Sure. And, and obviously, we don't have enough time today uh, to cover all the different angles that we could go in here, but the whole discussion of community risk reduction, which I, you know, I love that as a movement, um, really is what we're doing, whether it's fire or EMS. You talk about mobile integrated health and you talk about uh, community paramedicine or telehealth or all those different things that are happening. Um, you know, to me as a fire chief, again, there I go with the word fire, but as a fire chief, um, that the, the crux of our responsibility is um, that entire discussion of community risk reduction, whether it's fire related or EMS related or whatever, that's what we should be about. And I think a lot of, uh, you know, your article stirs those questions and, and, and sentiments that were just below the surface for a lot of folks. And uh, I appreciate you, you bringing that up. So did you expect, Bob, uh, did you expect that the article would generate so much discussion? You know, I I love that question. I, I'm not sure if I were to go back when when I had written it and in Fire Rescue One, you all agreed to um, publish it. I, I'm not sure I really even gave much thought to to the engagement, you know, components. So I didn't really have expectation. Uh, I am, I'm grateful, uh, whether you agreed, disagreed, you know, whatever your position was on some of the statements that I make in the article, uh, I'm grateful that we're having the discussion because that was my intent from from the beginning is let's let's generate uh, really thoughtful discussions around these really thorny issues um, and whether or not we end with consensus of what's right or wrong we'll at least had a chance to hear other you know people's sides or different views about what it is that's going on and and I'm always like I shared at the onset willing to rethink my own position in in light of you know stronger logic or better argument um, so I'm I'm grateful that I that there was this much engagement. I hope the conversation continues. I hope this episode of the podcast stimulates additional uh, discussion around this particular topic. And I hope that folks are are listening with their with you know fully listening and engaging to what this uh, could mean for our industry. So I came in with no expectations, but left really 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 pleased that there are so many folks in our industry who uh, want to be part of this discussion. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, a key to what you said, and I, I try to maintain this on my personal Facebook uh, 
persona as well is thoughtful discussion. Um, That's right. You know, there's there certainly have been a few comments that are uh, uh, out there, if you will, in uh, automatically taking stabs, and and mm-hmm. you know we're we're not going to engage those in this podcast, and I'm not going to engage those in comments. So I appreciate you uh, taking the high road with that, and um, and you know allowing me to make that point about uh, being thoughtful. Let's take a look at a couple more of the comments. Here's one that says. The new age firefighters sign up because you can make upwards of sixty-five to eighty thousand, not including overtime. What they forget is all the crazy stuff that comes with it. At the end of the day, this is still a blue-collar job with a lot of work to be had. Does this go back to marketing? I mean, his inference work to be had is about fires, I'm sure. Um, you know, is this again just about marketing? Or is this uh, you know another person that's uh, kind of uh, heard it, but hasn't heard it. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder how true that sentiment is. I and and that's. I'm not being facetious with that comment. I I'm going to acknowledge that I'm maybe a little bit narrowly informed in uh, the. And I don't know that there's a lot of uh, studies that have been done that are really exploring the motivation of folks that come in the door. I can only speak to those that I've had the opportunity to interview who've wanted to be part of organizations that I have, in fact, been part of. Uh, and it's, you know, it feels like our process has been successful in weeding out people who just simply had no clarity about the uh, the organization or the the um, role, I suppose, in the in the community uh, and just sort of coming at it because of a pay and benefits position. Uh, I, you know, and I don't know, it depends on where you're at too. There's been a lot of dismantling of some of those pieces uh, that make it a little bit less lucrative in, you know, where there's more flexibility in private sector, for example, to offer alternative benefits than what government has ever been able to do seems to make that a, a nice comparison if you're walking through a job fair. Uh, so I, I, I guess I would challenge the notion that uh, there's, you know, it's a sweeping challenge of folks that just show up because of pay and benefits um, and not necessarily the uh, the passion for, for the industry. Um, so I think the, but though the crux of kind of what you're at, is it, is that a marketing piece? If that were to exist, uh, I think that it would also be a component of this um, this marketing space about what the position really is is doing. I, I can just I think of an example as we're talking about this. I uh, the human resources department back in Las Vegas they were they were definitely clenching their teeth when I had shown up. I was a, a junior uh, firefighter of all of a few years at the time they were doing this recruitment event. There were no firefighters there. It was only human resources personnel doing this orientation type, you know, if you're interested in this career. And they're sort of selling it in a way that wasn't necessarily accurate. And of course, you know, again, they're clenching their teeth as I'm talking about calls after midnight, helping people up who who have fallen in, in their own bodily fluids. And I'll leave it there, you know, the type yeah. of experience that we have. And uh, I, I think that that's a long way for me to get back around and in, in, in that, yeah, I don't know that we do a great job of explaining the risks or the experience uh, uh, 
regardless of the components of the article that really you know speaks to building a marketing campaign for a successful future firefighter but even if you just look at the past like are we even really been honest about any of these components and i I, so i do applaud that that comment or two for at least stimulating that component of the discussion where that's not necessarily prevent prevalent on a recruitment flyer uh, as much as the pay and the benefits would be which is traditional pay and benefits would be on a recruitment flyer uh, presented the way they are Yep. And you discussed in your article, I'll leave it to people to look at, but uh, you discussed in your article about those recruitment flyers and making sure that, um, you know, they are uh, reflective, not all uh, um, abuse lightly. Everything's not sunshine and rainbows. Well, everything's not fire either. That's right. And making sure that on your flyers, um, you know, we're not uh, making everything look like either sunshine and rainbows or everything's all fire. It just uh, is what it is. So making sure that we uh, accurately reflect the experiences and uh, the expectations is important in that. Let's change gears for just a second on the comments and talk about another one of the holy grails, if you will, for a lot of folks, and that's about fire-based EMS. Uh, This comment says, maybe EMS should finally be separated from the fire service since 40 years of experience shows that most firefighters don't have any interest or aptitude in emergency medicine. Emergency medicine is a complex subject and it deserves its own space as a separate essential service. Now, before you answer, I've got to say that uh, my position on this has certainly evolved over the years. Uh, For me as a chief, we have purposely educated our communities and our fire departments and embraced fire and building codes that have dramatically reduced the frequency of fires. We are now um, uh, implementing mobile integrated health and community paramedicine programs um, through the combination of those services or in collaboration with third party services. So my personal belief is that separating these services again, because I will emphasize that again, they used to be separate things in in the days that they were uh, ambulances uh, or people taken to the hospital were taken by tow trucks and, and hearses because that's what they had. Uh, separating them again is a recipe for disaster for both services. So how do we address this in discussion or how do we have that educated discussion? Yeah, Mark, I agree with you that separating it would, would certainly not be the solution. The The solution from my perspective is our agencies need to evolve uh, to be efficient at providing the services that the community is demanding, the, the degree of, of support for quality of life issues in our community. And uh, just for, you know, again, example, in, in our fire district, we've brought on teams specifically with the intent to help solve some of these challenges. Uh, that face our community. Uh, in other words, a one-size-fits-all fire crew that is all hazards ALS, that is the default response every time someone accesses 911, is a recipe for failure in many of our in many of our communities. I, I want to caveat everything to say, you know, you've seen one fire department, you've seen one. You know, there's a lot of similarities, but your community uh, uh, demographic and everything just it all weighs in on this. But the bigger, the larger point is. Uh, my 
my theory on this is we need to evolve away from a one-size-fits-all default response every time 911 is activated. We have the sophistication in our 911 communication centers to triage levels of priority and triage levels of call and be able to respond a more appropriate resource at the community member's time of need. And in one step further again is we have the uh, analytics accessible at our fingertips to be able to have a stronger degree of predictability of where these types of challenges will occur. And we can start to introduce, you know, line items into our organization to help address those, those types of things. I live out in a rural community where access to healthcare is a, a, a sweeping challenge for members of our, of our uh, particularly in our low socioeconomic areas in the rural community. They just don't have access to healthcare. Well, we can be part of that solution. We have buildings out in rural rural Oregon that would be make great partnerships with the healthcare community. And that's just one example. But the larger point to that question is um, I don't see separating the the services as being value add to our community. I think that would be a large leap in the wrong direction. Uh, the solution is getting, you know, evolving our service delivery model to meet the demands of the current and future fire service. Okay. All right, here's another comment about the singularity of service. Um, and this reader asks, are you a firefighter or a medic? A police officer has one job, but a firefighter has two jobs. The government's just saving money. So one of the respondents to that question or to that statement does a good job of um, adding some clarity. They say, and, and here I'm going to uh, quote, uh, you are terribly mistaken. Police officers are mediators, social workers, guardians, enforcers, protectors, and the list goes on and on. Police officers are first on scene and first to render medical care, uh, medical aid before EMS or the fire department gets there. Okay, that's the end of the quote. Now, in all fairness, that's not always true. We all know that. Um, that does occur. Um, and I do want to implore to my uh, law enforcement friends that may be listening, please park your cars out of the way when you do get there first <laughs> so that uh, the, the evidence eradication teams that you call us uh, that get there uh, can get in and do our jobs. Now, back to our point. Yeah. Um, all of these comments really stir the suggestion that this isn't our granddad's fire department anymore. Um, and, and maybe it harkens back to what Administrator Moore Merrill said that some traditions are meant to change. Is she right? Is this one of those, uh, thinking about it as our granddad's fire department, this is just one of those traditions, folks. Uh, it's, it's time for change. She, she is right. And, you know, the to even suggest that a, the fire career is two jobs and police is one, I, I actually would, would disagree with yeah. uh, that sentiment. I mean, if you really unpack the entire all hazards component, you know, when you look at all the certifications that we demand of our emergency response personnel, uh, it, we're, we're much more than two. <laughs> types yeah, of jobs. absolutely. And I agree with that con comment, too, about police officers just simply being in fire and fire emergency personnel. Same thing, just being equipped with a lot of tools in the toolbox to mitigate a situation at hand. Uh, this is without question a uh, 
one of these items that needs to change. I think we're living in one of the most remarkable opportunities for our industry. Uh, I, I feel we are living through uh, this par a paradigm shift similar to when EMS uh, became part of the response profile of emergency response agencies, of fire agencies, uh, that we're starting to evolve to a, a you know, a, a community risk focused, uh, you know, these components of helping solve sociological, uh, so sociology challenges, uh, uh, facing access to services in our community. Anyway, I could go on and on, but the, the, the short answer is yes, I agree that this is the moment where, where we uh, rise to the occasion or we, we, really struggle because sort of like our uh, one of the members of my organization's you know sentiment was it's we're either going to be netflix or we're going to be blockbuster uh, we want to be netflix it's time to evolve yeah uh, that's uh that's great either netflix or blockbuster and for those that don't know who blockbuster is google it you'll figure it out <laughs> um this last comment that I want to talk about really provides a very simple dose of reality to the whole discussion and takes what I'll call the high and center road. And here's what that that it's not a question. It's a comment. Here's what that comment says. Well, I guess it is a question, question and a comment. The, the quote is, is there anything that is completely what you sign up for or what you think it'll be? Changes are inevitable and not always pleasant. But you roll with it and make the best of it, and you roll on down the road. So how do we drive that message, that high road message home to our people and keep our people from devolving into this social media frenzy of a type of discussion? Yeah, that's that's a wonderful quote. And I'm glad you brought that forward. That was really well said. I wish I could have said it that way. <laughs> uh, the, you know, that's. The, the key is embracing, you know, uh, models that evolve. And I think the most successful organizations in our industry in the future are going to be those that can do that, both the agency, both the governance structure and the and the workforce who are able to adapt to challenges faster uh, will be the ones who really thrive in terms of what that success looks like. I the the key isn't necessarily uh, signing up for the, the current expectations for the job, but signing up for an evolving set of expectations for, uh, for the career of the profession. Because I, you know, we look at, and I wrote this article from one snapshot in time. I talk about the future firefighter and looking at the, the 20s, 30s, and 40s uh, and beyond. And what is it going to look like for them? You know, frankly, we just don't know. You know, I've got certainly my theories on how things are going to look, uh, but that's going to change as technology evolves, as policy evolves, as needs of our community change and react to different market forces. So we don't know. Uh, the greatest success is going to be in those who are willing to adapt to this evolving uh, industry faster and embrace it. Absolutely. Chief, do you have any other uh, comments to add? No, I'm just, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to visit with you today and to have me on the podcast to showcase the article for those that are, that are reading it and having, having comments. I want to, I want to ask others who have thoughts on this or other topics to reach out to the editorial team and share those. And let's keep this conversation going. Uh, one other thing I, I want to do, I, I, I get no royalties from this. I just really believe strongly in his work. Uh, Dan Heath is a, a psychologist who wrote the book Upstream, Solving Problems 
problems before they start. Uh, truly, I think it's the mantra for risk reduction. I, I implore all fire chiefs or executives or anyone aspiring to in, for a leadership, formal leadership role, have a read of that book and start to rethink how you're going to provide service to your community. Thank you so much, Mark, for having me uh, on the show. Good, good stuff, Chief. I appreciate it. And I want to capture a couple takeaways uh, from this discussion. And, uh, you know, ultimately, uh, we have been discussing the article, and it's going to be in the show notes. If you didn't uh, hear me in the beginning, the uh, link to this article and to the Facebook page uh, comments will be in our show notes. Uh, the article was, uh, this isn't what I signed up for. Um, and it's a discussion about uh, the the culture of the fire service today. And ultimately, uh, what Chief Horton was trying to do was, and effectively has done, is create a call to action, uh, in his words, unpacking the components of recruitment, uh, setting up the future workforce for success. Uh, and that's not just, you know, the workforce itself, but management as uh, the ones that are, are, are dealing with that workforce. We talked a lot about selling the profession from a uh, uh, marketing perspective, whether that was the posters that are done or uh, the information that's provided or who's providing the information and making sure that that's a realistic look at uh, who we are and what we do. Uh, we covered a lot of the comments that are in the Facebook uh, post. Again, a couple hundred comments and, and shares that are in there plus and they're continuing to comment now. So we uh, encourage people to continue to uh, run with those comments. And then we talked about uh, the fire-based EMS, uh, had that discussion, and, um, you know, uh, both of us agree that uh, separating the services is not the answer where we are today. Um, the fire-based EMS, it, it is an evolution, and um, we need to be continuing that evolution, adapting the quality of life uh, for our communities and making sure that we're always looking at that from a positive. Uh, we need to evolve away from um, um, evolve away from the one-size-fits-all fire crew. And an example he used in uh, Oregon, where they're sending specific uh, smaller units that are, have specific training for some of those lower acuity calls or different calls uh, than are the typical, uh, that used to be, you know, what a lot of people still do, that one-size-fits-all fire crew. And then uh, one of the things he just touched on and something we don't have time for really to talk about today is using the analytics to merge predictability with the service that we provide. Uh, certainly that is something you're going to see out of the new uh, U.S. Fire Administrator is uh, use of data uh, for everything we do and making sure that we're managing that data to, uh, to uh, evolve our service and help us predict the service. Uh, one of the quotes that uh, I, I took away from this that I really like was from his uh, crew, from the crews that uh, Chief Horton works with. And he said, uh, and, and he talks with them about, you know, we're either Netflix or Blockbuster. And they said, we want to be Netflix. And again, I'll tell you, if you don't know who Blockbuster is, Google it, you'll figure it out. Uh, and then we talked about, uh, as we closed out, that um, we need to adapt faster and that those organizations that adapt faster will be the ones that survive and evolve. I appreciate you being with us, uh, Chief Horton. Appreciate you taking the time today. And thanks to our listeners for sticking in. Uh, continue with this discussion on FireRescue1.com uh, or on that FireRescue1 post that I told you the uh, link will be in uh, the show notes. And please continue to follow FireRescue1.com for all the latest news and information affecting the fire service worldwide. This is Mark Bayshore, Executive Editor for Fire Rescue One and FireChief.com. 
Have a great day on purpose. Keep safe, stay smart, and take care.